0: Hey, one more thing before you go. What is the current state of human evolution and the challenges that we face as a species? Are we in a critical transition period? And do we need to act collectively and responsibly to address the global problems that threaten our survival and dignity? In this episode, we're going to have a conversation with a man that has written a book and has over 40 years' experience in digging into this subject. So we may answer some of these questions and more. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing. Before you go. My guest in this episode is Jeffrey Charles Hardy. He's a healthcare facility planner, a design consultant with 30 years of experience. He's also the founder and president of Care for Peace, a nonprofit organization that helps Underserved communities build their own sustainable, healthy villages. It's got quite a story. Jeff is a prolific writer and a speaker on topics such as patient safety, hospital design, and healthcare administration. He's also the author of a visionary book called *To Care for Peace: A Global Mandate to Secure the Second Human Evolution in Perpetuity*, which we're going to talk about. It proposes a global plan to secure a sustainable future for humanity and the planet. In his book, he argues that caring for peace is the key to activating the second human evolution, which is yet to begin. Jeff, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Michael. That's a great intro. Thank you. I'm going to have to copy that, <laughs> hand it out.
0: You you <laughs> earned it. You earned it. Um, yeah, what an amazing journey you've been on.
1: It's been wonderful. Uh, but it's all been basically planning. I like planning, and so... After 40 years of planning healthcare facilities, I decided. Well, heck, why not plan the rest of humanity and give humanity a chance?
0: Yeah, there you That's go. That's
1: really what we're talking about. <laughs> Let's plan the second human evolution.
0: Well, you know, it. It's, I know we're going to get more in depth into that to understand what the first human evolution is and where it came from, as well as what the second evolution is. Um, but I, it, there are so many aspects of this that we need to kind of, we need to kind of, I guess fine-tune, like climate change and global and mm-hmm. politics and all these contributions that come into our society and culture that we live in today. Um, we're going to have a great conversation, I think.
1: I'm sure we will.
0: i like to start at the beginning. Can I ask where you grew up?
1: Uh, let's see, I was born in New York and my parents moved me out here with my sister when I was a year and a half so i pretty much grew up in central california or northern i don't know we called it central until i realized that there was something further south than san francisco so we live right above san francisco and uh that's where i went to school Uh, i went to college in sacramento and some uh some other colleges uh universities to get specialized courses but uh, that's where i grew up california
0: what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Well, what my parents wanted me to be was an architect and what I wanted to be was messing around. I wanted to just go have fun. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, all, yeah, I ended way. up getting both. but
0: <laughs> I think we all want well, yeah, because you you went into the Coast Guard, right?
1: I sure did. So that, that I mean, the that's the work, but
0: do. it's also fun.
1: Oh my gosh, it, it was awesome, and I will tell you, I'm one of the few people on the planet who really enjoyed boot camp. I loved getting up at five o'clock in the morning and marching, and you know, up two, three, four. I mean, that was so much a part of my spirit. I mean, I got up at five o'clock anyway. That's I, I, I have a lot of energy, so it was perfect. Yeah. I
0: think you had a different drill instructor than I did. <laughs>
1: I don't yeah. know. There were some guys who fell down when we were hiking, you know, marching. But that's probably because they went to the officer's club and got a little bit too soused the night before. Too south, yeah. My drill instructor <laughs> made
0: it made it miserable to get up at 5 in the morning. But it, it, just, <laughs> it stuck with me, though, you know. <laughs>
1: that's great. That's great. Well, what did he do? Did he uh, yell at you right away?
0: Well, you know, the scream, the holler, the yell, the... The uh, the just the presence the the ominous presence of him looking down at you right there in your face, you know when you're like eighteen and nineteen years old and you you're having to look up at this massive mountain of person. <laughs>
1: yes, that's right, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> Too it's, funny. It's, yeah,
0: it's interesting. Interesting. What'd you do in the Coast Guard?
1: I was a hospital corpsman training, and what that meant was. I served bedpans. And then after that, <laughs> after a while, I got to actually hand out pills. It had the guy's name on these little cups, so it wasn't difficult. And then I actually got to give shots. My favorite shot was when my drill instructor came in and he had to have a gamma globulin shot before going to Vietnam. And oh boy, I enjoyed that a lot because that is a very thick liquid shot that goes in there buns and yeah put it in there and you go <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm, living vi- I'm living vicariously through you at the moment
1: it's, uh, so you know oh, it was great it, it was really great
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you for that vicarious experience I appreciate it I <laughs> just visualize it it so- works uh, what got you interested in um, what, what you are doing now? I mean, how did you come to where you're at?
1: Well, I think uh, the book is To Care for Peace, but the idea of caring for peace began long time before I went into the Coast Guard. But then when I was in the Coast Guard, it really gelled because I had a feeling in my spirit while well, I was taking care of those guys. And first of all, they were really cool here's patients, you know, they're lying down, they're, they, they, they've they got to look at you, they got to listen and respect you. And I would never had anybody, especially guys in the playing field, look at me like that before. So all of a sudden, it was a wonderful feeling. And I realized that, wow, this care process is really enjoyable. And I had a feeling, a new kind of a feeling that was what I called peace. And it wasn't the peace between two wars. It wasn't the peace after a war. And it wasn't a peace where you sit on top of a mountain and uh, cross your legs and don't think about the people that are down in the valleys struggling for for their food and their lives. So all of a sudden, this thought of caring for peace would be just—it it just started to gel. And it was only as my life unfolded in my healthcare design career, where I was working all over the United States, working all over the world, that I met nurses. And I realized that all these pieces, these people already know what it means to care for peace. And it just got me, it was like, wow, I got to meet a nurse today because they all have it in their spirit. They love taking care of patients. You go to parties and there's a nurse there and they're still wearing their scrubs from work because they're proud of the hospital name that's on their shirt. I mean, nurses are the salt of the earth. And and so are other caregivers, I realized teachers and other service personnel, people in the military. Of course, I started in the military. and. The the officers and the enlisted guys that I worked with, top of the world, absolutely. In fact, it was a a physician, Dr. Carl Mangold, who was a Lieutenant and in the Coast Guard who got me started on this whole thing, this whole process that I went through. But the rest of the story is just as exciting. (laughs) uh, Because Care for Peace ended up becoming the name of a nonprofit organization it, made, it became a song that we had some local talented a cappella choir singing the darn song. And it was just, it, I mean, Care for Peace is just an amazing concept.
0: I think you can hear that. Somebody can hear that on your website, I think.
1: Yes, they can. There's a link for yeah. that.
0: There's a link up there I saw. Yeah, yeah beautiful. Yeah, they can
1: go to, they can go to careforpeace.org, org. Care for Peace, all one word org and actually listen to the song. Yeah. Sung actually by other people.
0: Plus you can see all the other fantastic work that you you know, you guys do and what you do for the part the nonprofit with helping people. I mean you you have um built international healthcare facilities and hospitals and things like this all over the world, is that correct?
1: yeah um i'm saying yeah because the most recent project is the most glorious and so i've kind of forgotten you know curacao bahamas um bahrain and the persian gulf um vietnam because uh, i ended up going to vietnam after the war and helping some people in hanoi but i the most recent project was in myanmar burma that That country. Oh, look, you can look at it. It's right there on my map right there for anybody there. I have to move my hand. And um, that is one of the most undeveloped countries in the world. It's number 91 in its development process. It's, It's in turmoil right now. But when we were there, we were there during a very small window that was opened by Aung San Suu Kyi. And so we went over and decided to help them build one prototype rural community development and health center. And it was beautiful. We finished it. We finished it with the help of the government, with a lot of help of the villagers in this selected village. And it, we were ready to build 250 more in the country. But guess what happened? You probably already know. The military coup overthrew Wonsan Suu Kyi and her government. And all of a sudden, we were persona non grata. So that's when I decided to write a book. I didn't have anything else to do.
0: Yeah, that um, that would kind of tend to change your direction, <laughs> change your pathway just a little bit.
1: Oh, uh, yeah.
0: I think. Um, And you talk about the uh, human evolution, like the first human evolution. Uh, And and then we talk about the second human evolution that's coming about in suspended human evolution. Uh, Can you help us break down each one of those? Like the first human evolution, um, I mean, we all know we've been here, and if you look at what we've achieved even, even in the last 150 years, what we've achieved as a society, Mm. um, made immense progress. Uh, I, I, I've noticed in some of the readings that I've read um, in regard to to you and your book and, and what you talk about, um, I think that it, uh, uh, think some of the things that stuck out with me, uh, actually, in regard to that, is that I think we as a society have grown um, more greedy and more opportunist than, than we had in the past. Um, mm. but let's let's kind of let kind of can we break it down a little bit and talk about the first human evolution, and so people can understand yeah. what we're talking about.
1: Well, well, first of all, it's it's, it's best for me to like a very simple story that occurred when I was touring. Uh, I was in India. I was in a in air conditioned taxi cab on the way from New Delhi to Agra, where the Taj Mahal is. And all of a sudden, at one point on our trip, we were stuck. In the most horrendous traffic jam you could imagine, it was just taxis and cars and and you know those buses that are just packed with with all sorts of containers on the top and and people sitting on top of the containers and the buses had been painted and people had stuck things on the buses and all around me were mopeds that couldn't even move. And I was saying, what the heck is this? This is like the end of the world. All of a sudden, humanity is jam-packed, jam-packed. And so that's when I says, maybe we have evolved as far as we can. And it's like, this is the end. This is the end of, uh, maybe it's the first human evolution. Well, that kind of stuck in my head for a long time until uh, I started realizing that around the mid 60s uh, in the last millennium, the first human evolution ended. So you look at two and a half million years ago when humanity first started fiddling around with tools and started starting to be civilized and tribal and, and national and all that. That was two and a half million years ago. That was the beginning. But the end was probably sometime around when the mutually assured destruction came up. And we realized in many different ways that humanity had conquered nature. And that's what we're stuck with right now. So from the mid 60s to now, we've been flopping around. We are in the suspended human evolution. And we need to start planning. I'm a planner. So I started thinking, okay, as, as, a, as a planner, how would I suggest to change the world? But I don't want to change the world. That's an expression. I think it's even a song title. I What I want to do is I want to provide the tools, the planning tools, to design the second human evolution. I'm not a super brilliant guy. I'm just... I got some tools, and I figured, gee, now I can't continue with Myanmar. Why don't I figure out how to how to do this, you know, on a global scale? So, that, and it begins it begins with what I call pre planning. It's not even planning, and the pre planning is guess what? It's what you are doing. It's the it's this process of talking with people and getting our our words right and using the right words and that's when i realized that we better start using ah first human evolution Ah, oh, we're in the second human evolution no we're not in this human. We're, we're still partially we got a foot still in the first human evolution and what's fascinating is i've been talking about this with many people and when i was in Myanmar, i had a little group of people with some uh medical doctors and nurses and other professional people who were talking about it. I said, well, when did the first human evolution in your mind? Well, they mentioned that it was the Saffron Revolution in, let's see, 1988, because that's when all the monks in Myanmar decided to strike, and they did, and the whole country struck with them because the cooking oil by the government the military government at the time had just gone astronomical and so they marked that as when their world changed their first human evolution changed and it was then that i realized hey i better not be so certain about my definition of the first human evolution ending because all of a sudden we're going to start having an argument oh no it's gonna end there no it wouldn't and then so i think that that's a discussion that we have to have. When did it end? But I'll tell you right now, we are in the suspended human evolution because we can't keep going the way we've been going. The first human evolution is still very much with us. And you can look at our leadership, you can look at the wars that are occurring, you can look at the fact that, and this is a very painful thing, the the United Nations and World Health Organization had a chart that is the millennium development goals there are 17 items on that colorful block list like eliminating poverty uh, getting more solar having yeah yeah I, I can't remember all of them but one of them is not population dealing with the population. well we got to deal with the population we can't just keep not talking about it So at that point, when I started realizing that there was a big missing block on their chart, that we're using the wrong terminology. So remember, I'm saying we've got to start using the right words. And so guess what? I realized that you can't tell anybody anywhere in the world, including my family or anybody else, it's population control because the first thing they think is either communist or Planned Parenthood. So I changed it. Let's call it population continuity population continuity and the beauty of that is that i can i can talk with the individual and say well have you had your kids yet no well you know you could re- replicate yourself you replicate yourself your wife can replicate your, the, her and so you've got two kids and you've replicated yourselves and that's Population continuity. You have helped the future of humanity while you have given yourself some immortality as well. My wife and I did that. that was My wife and I have two children. I got fixed at that point. Anyway, so suspended human evolution. We better start talking about the problems, about whatever that first human evolution end is. Because if we don't, back up way Mm -hmm. back and define humanity and what humanity and its evolution has been up to this point then we're not going to get very far got to use the right words
0: yeah i agree you know it's interesting because i find that you know remember as a kid growing up you know you could go out and drink water from the hose we all did it as a kid it was clean it was fresh it was good now you can't do that. They say don't drink water from the from the hose because it comes from a different area. Water's in short capacity. We wow. are in a drought here in Arizona. There, the although California got swamped with snow last year, but they were in a major drought <laughs> in doing right. in doing um, uh, uh, water restrictions and getting ready to do water restrictions. And the Colorado River's done water restrictions now. They've taken water away from different states as it comes down, yeah. you know, down through. Um, and they've taken away from farmers, which in turn creates a problem for the farmers because now you're affecting the food that's, that's being grown here. And Arizona provides a large amount of food across the, the country. And, you know, it just, it's a never ending, never ending type opportunity for failure at some point. Because, so I agree with you in regard to that. Um, my mother was part of a, a nine member family, nine, I mean, nine kids. Um my wife and I had two. Because, same thing we were just thinking with you, it's the purpose of having, we're probably going to get in trouble for this, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> the purpose, it, it back then, way back like when my when my mother, my mother was born in 1934, somebody about, 1934. So I'm thinking, my father was born in 1936, my mother was born in 1934. So, back then, it was a multitude. You keep having kids. You have six, seven, eight, nine kids and they'd work the farm. My parents came from that direction. They would they would be the built-in labor, right? So you, you don't have to hire anybody else. You got your kids going out here doing the labor. Well, we don't have that now kind of a situation. I think continuity is a good word instead of control. Plus it's feasible when you stop and look and think about the fact that we are still in this world together, land is being eaten up, places for people to live is getting yeah. eaten up, places to build houses or buildings or homes is getting eaten up, water yeah. is getting, you know, eaten up, although on the east coast it's like flooding and raining and flooding and raining and flooding and raining, right. you know, kind of a thing. Um, do you think, And I, I know that you said earlier the first human evolution is kind of you, you. felt it ended in the '60s. Why do you think it? Why do you think it ended in the '60s as compared to the '80s? Oh, that, I,
1: that's first of all, that's that's my take, and it's it's my take probably because that was also the period when we realized that China was over there. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was going to school learning about American history and European history, but there was nothing about China. And so Nixon goes over there and wow he comes back and we say oh that's interesting." he went the other direction. Oh wow look at that over there. And then I had a cal- a uh, wall map behind my bed at home when I was 15 14 years old and it had a bunch of places on the on the map that said unexplored territory. <laughs> I was like oh this is interesting. This was the map that my parents got. Well by the mid '60s, everything had been explored. We pretty much have people all over the world where they can live and and where most people live. And so, I I, I realized that at that point, sometime in the mid '60s, that's when we realized. I mean, this is obviously egocentric because you know the people who were living in Myanmar, uh, they were amazed uh, when I showed up. They. Who, who the heck is this? They didn't know what America was. So it's, it's egocentric And that that's when I thought that the second world, the second human evolution ended. So I think that we, we have a responsibility to, to look at the things that happened, like for instance, the peace movement. The peace movement began. The, the, the Black Lives Matter origins began then at that time when Stokie Mark Kai Markle and God, thank thank the Lord for Martin Luther King. I mean, that's like it, it's when all the, these these things happen where our population was smart enough to realize that, wow, this is a change. And and don't forget the Beatles. I remember this is when the Beatles came around, too. So we, we got to give them credit. You can't, can't Music change. The movies change, you know, it's yeah. like. A lot of changes happened in the mid-50s, uh, mid mid-60s, mid yep. you name it. I, I don't want to spend my time trying to put my finger on exactly the right time, because I think the point is we are in this suspended period where we're struggling. We're flopping around like fish on a deck. We have not realized what what, what happened, and this massive $2.5 million million dollar million year, period that occurred is over because we've been successful. I mean we have procreated until, until here we are with eight half billion people. Well know? I think and with everything I mean we,
0: we've progressed with everything. we've, we've progressed with technology and, and I mean well, look at our phone. My iPhone has like a thousand times more powerful than what, what was used to put the module on the moon. It, you wow. know, that whole system up there. So I I think if, uh, I'm a Star Trek kid, grew up with Star Trek. Um, you are too. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could do that. My hands won't let me do that anymore. But, you know, if you think back on Star Trek, they were walking around with iPads. That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. If Star, yeah. Trek, Star yeah. Trek Next Generation, they had iPads, yeah. they had communicators. They... My first flip phone looked just like one of the communicators from Star Trek. And I was ecstatic about that. My kids go, why do you want that? Why do you want that? I'm like, because I can do this. <laughs> well, look, we're teleporting
1: open. right now, you know?
0: <laughs> oh, it's, it's exactly, exactly. You, know, you you remember we used to watch them on, and this was unfeasible at the time, but you would be watching Captain Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise, or even Star Trek Next Generation, whichever one of those. And they say, having a communications coming through. Captain, put them up screen. They put them on a big screen and they have a conversation back and forth like we're doing right now. Um, So, yeah, and now it's evolved into something like that. So I I think that uh, although I I do agree with you that we're kind of in a a suspended holding pattern, I do believe that we're still evolving in certain areas. But my personal opinion is I think we're also falling back on a few areas. I think we're taking a step back. In climate change and global warming and you know we won't go like huge into this because I I I, I believe in global warming and climate change having an effect on global warming from my own, from my perspective in regard to that the I think we're a little too late on on some things and that we're just on the cusp of being too late on many more things that would help us keep our planets alive so that we can continue to live here. Um, That's why I think that although we may be in a suspended evolution, I I think even from that perspective, come to think of it, while I I pause for a second with that, I I guess the fact that we're at that cusp, and we got people trying to do something with it, and then other people fighting against doing that change, that still puts us in suspense, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does, and, and by the way, I like how you how you took apart the the suspended human evolution, and I'll tell you why. You use the word back. We're going back. Well, w- when I saw uh, Trump's talking about uh, make America great again, I'm saying again.
0: When, when was great. it
1: great? So when you said back, I was hmm. thinking, yeah, now we have. A demarcation of where back is and that's the end of the first human evolution and where we're trying to go forward that's the beginning of the second human evolution which we have not planned yet yeah but so we're starting to look as you have pointed out there's technology here now that is definitely moving i think it's moving us forward i do and i, agree I think it. ai is helping us move in a direction that we haven't put our fingers on it yet, but it's gonna help us in our communication,
0: yeah. I
1: believe, in, in such a way. And look at the robotics that they're using on the moon and the robotics they're using to make things right now. I just, I, I feel oh, that yeah. we are advancing, that we have to use the advances in technology to help us advance as human beings. But when I watch what's going on in Gaza and, and other places in Ukraine, um, but also the poverty that I've seen. Yeah. And I've seen it all over the world. I mean, it's just it's awful. And uh, I mean, I've been around the world. I've been a lot of different countries and I see poverty everywhere I go. And, you know, there's there's a lot that we have to do and that isn't changing. So how are we going to change it? One of the things that I learned when I was in Myanmar I learned more about the, the, the immense number of non-government organizations that are out there. Bill and Melinda Gates, they're one of many, and they're doing a great job. And I was I was totally surprised how many other non-government organizations were in Myanmar helping the people when we were there. And same thing when I was in Vietnam. The number of NGOs that were there, its it's staggering. In fact, there were so many that sometimes you'd see wars between them. Oh, no, that's my turf. Oh, no, that's mine. My... There would be turf wars between the, the NGOs. Some, would, some of them would be just doing too much instead of helping the people do it themselves, which is one of the things that we refuse to do. I mean, we... I've made lots of mistakes before in other countries, and I realized I'm not going to do that same same thing because my goal was we got to help the people help themselves. And that's something that we have to do more of during the suspended human evolution. Otherwise, we aren't going to be able to have them join us in this conversation. So education. Ah, this is what you're doing. This is your podcast, the education part. This is what you're doing. You're helping people get to the point where they can use the right words to discuss. How can we reach out to the impoverished people, the poor people, the the homeless people in this world and help them join our conversation because there are more than 5 billion of them, I'm sure.
0: Oh yeah, easily, and then that and that doesn't. That also includes the ones here in the United States. You know, we have a very large portion of kids that are growing up without lunch and without breakfast, and yes. no, you know, holes in their shoes, and and not have full access to medical facilities and or clothing or shelter. And um, sometimes people forget that, although we do live in the greatest country in the world, we do live in the United States. That there are situations here that um, could use some help, you know, we were part of that. We contribute to part of that. We overlook part of that, and I think that uh, they need to open their eyes a little bit more. I mean, I haven't traveled the world, but as a cop, as a law enforcement officer, you know, I went into the ghetto areas. I went into to where people were living yes. in tents and then on the street and under the bridges and in caves even, and you know things like this. And that's not something that should actually be anywhere whether it be here in the united states or anywhere else we should be able to we should be able to open the door of opportunity for those individuals to be able to as you said join this conversation and to be what have you learned
1: i i I, you've been how long have you been podcasting
0: uh this is going into my fifth year
1: so you've talked to a lot of people and a lot of different people from different walks of life and different professions And I mean, I'm one of many. I don't know the other people that you've talked with, but you do. And I'm curious as to what have you learned from the people that you've talked with where there's a commonality among us? Are there any commonalities in what we are trying to are. discuss?
0: Yes, there are. Um, in my particular case, I've had over 400 conversations um, so far, and wow. uh, and that's growing. And the commonality that I find within it is that uh, we all have compassion and, and a humanity within us to change the world in some aspect or another and change people's lives for a positive um, and take them out of a negative situation, whatever it happens to be, and move them forward in a positive way and help them to sustain and use the tools, the knowledge, and the experience that we can provide with the, to them in whatever means to help their lives improve. Uh, overall, in, in them both mentally, physically, environmentally, all the way across the board. So the commonality that I have found in my conversations, at least in this podcast, uh, run along that gamut. Um, something that we all want to be able to inspire people, motivate people, and educate people. And that we want to be able to give people the tools and the opportunity to move themselves forward in a positive way.
1: Your first answer... Was compassion. Absolutely. Your second was technology. And then your third was education. So if I'm looking at your top three that you have gleaned, wow, that's got to be the basis for hope. Thank you.
0: Thank you. You're welcome. I, I, you know, I believe that we do have the opportunity within ourselves to be able to create the audience that we need in order to pull together what we can do to contribute to the world. I've been grateful, when I say this out loud, not egotistical, I'm grateful that I've, I'm heard in 59 countries. I am grateful that I have an audience that is worldwide. I have spoken to people all over the world. So it's not just in, in, just here in the United States, it's not just here in Arizona. I've spoken to people from all over the world, and that, everything that I just told you, that common thread runs through those conversations that we have. And um, I wholeheartedly believe that we all need to take the steps to implement the tools. Like you had, well, that's what I like when we before we started on this conversation, in this particular conversation, and in the beginning of it, you know, um, that we all have the opportunity to present tools and hope and inspiration for people to know that there there is opportunity. Hope is a powerful word. Hope is a powerful yeah. feeling. Yes. You know, when you give somebody hope, you give somebody especially positive, and then you give them a little nudge, or you take their hand, or you push them from behind just a little bit when they need it, you pull them up when they need it, or you walk beside them and hold their mm-hmm. hand. It, it's something that we all as a human being, we are all connected in this world. We are all part of one. And doing that and looking at it from that point of view we're all here to help each other move forward. We're all help, here to help each other push from behind or pull up or walk beside and hold their hand or carry yeah. if need be. And then those that ignore or step out of that realm, to me, I feel, um, are governed by unethical, immoral practices that are based upon oh. greed. Yeah. I mean, you're going you, This is this is a lot of my soul coming out here. I believe Amen. are are based upon greed and, a, and selfish, narcissistic opportunities to benefit themselves more than benefit us and those around us.
1: Here, here, uh, I could give you a standing ovation, but my head lost <laughs> on the top of the screen. I, You know, the key is we've got to start defining when we say we're moving forward. Okay, what is forward? And you know this is part of your responsibility to ask these questions, mm-hmm. not necessarily to get the answers, but to start the, these balls rolling in their head. What 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 is that? Make America great again. Well, again, what, what when before penicillin or after? Yeah, you know I mean what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, Let's let, let let's let's you know let's define when America was greater than it is right now because I think America is great right now and I think that podcasts are really helping this process along and our process is the solution. Now I put that quote on the front cover of my book. The process is the solution mm-hmm. because okay, AT and T has a expression that they wrote. It was their advertising slogan that the system is a solution. And no, no, I I love their. By the way, it was a great, great. you know, great uh, saying and everybody knows it. So um, or I should say some people know it at any rate. um, The system is the result of a good process. Now, to start the discussion about where we've been, where we are now and where we're going, the first human evolution, the suspended, and the, and the second human evolution, yet to come, is to do the pre-planning that requires us to establish a process. Well, guess what? What you're doing is the process. That's the pre-planning process. What you are doing right now and have been doing with all the people that you've been working with and all the people you're going to be working with from now on, you are in the pre-planning process. It's just a lot of talk and we're bringing together ideas and you know, like those Burmese people who said, oh no, your idea of the first human evolution ended in 1988 at the Saffron Revolution. And I said, great. Thank you. (laughs) You know, this is the discussion. You know this is the discussion and your idea your comments that you made that really pull together a lot of the commonality among all your people which starts with the the compassion and the technology and the education i mean that's the basis of hope that we bring to this conversation we have to have something that we bring to the conversation and that's why i'm just bringing care for peace, those three words, the conversation, because it requires us to actively care for a dynamic peace. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about it. Those are my words. What are your words? What you know, Well, and, and I think you know, I agree I with you.
0: It. Yeah, I 100%. And I think that you know some of the things that, that I think are in your book that we all need to, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, especially with this conversation we just had, we all as a human being as an individual, and as a human being, as part of society and culture, need to adopt a global perspective uh, uh, with long-term vision on what yes. we're going to yes. do and expect within and how we're going to fix things that are broken and how we're going to be able to collectively save, for example, our planet. You know, now all of a sudden, everybody's recognizing, holy crap, this is happening, this is happening, this is direct result of this. Right. Now we got to... We have to take a perspective, a global perspective, not just from our own, not just here in Arizona, not here, not in California, um, not in on the East Coast. It, it has to be a global perspective. It has to be a collective that says we are going to look at it this from this perspective, and that we're going to implement systems and implement implement a process in a system that will then help us preserve mankind, because. You know, we don't, we're all, well, this goes a little way over here, but, you know, mankind's going to be extinct. Right. We're going to wipe ourselves out.
1: Right, yeah. My, one of my recent uh, podcasts as a guest uh, was someone who wanted to talk just about the sixth uh, human, ex- the, excuse me, the sixth extinction. And he wanted to spend a lot of time discussing what it was that we were headed for and it was it was a, a good for me because I was listening to uh oh I'm I'm up against doomsayers. And I and by the way he was very positive. So it's not a it, right. but he was really focusing on okay, what are we gonna do to, to either stop this. I appreciated it. It was very good. So well, you, yeah, you know I, it,
0: the key to every the key to any success in anything, especially in this particular case is communication. You know, you you had brought this up uh, throughout this whole conversation. You know, we have to communicate, and to communicate properly. And when I say properly, I don't mean that you have to use proper English, and you have to enunciate all your words, and you have to say this, thou, thee, thy. You know, we have to communicate in (laughs) an effective and efficient manner to allow a sense of responsibility and accountability for our actions and for those actions around us and for those individuals that are rather trying to sabotage the process or take that process and turn it into something it really shouldn't be
1: Mm -hmm. you know i'd like to address Uh, a previous comment that you were talking about, we have to look at things from a global perspective. And let, let me explain something very quickly. When we went to Myanmar the first time, we were talking to the top people in Aung San Suu Kyi's government, at the top government level, about what it is that we wanted to do. And it was care for peace, because we had a premise, here's a country that has been under military rule and British rule and East Indian and you name it, Chinese, all sorts of invaders um, and tribal, major tri- tribal land of Mosse's ethnic problems. I said, look, if, if we care for the people in terms of healthcare, public utilities, community development and education, we might lay the groundwork for peace in your country. So they said that's great they signed us on we have two memorandum of understandings okay that's how deep we got into this promise this premise and we ended up going to a village and converting the idea of care for peace at the village level so now we have a village where their their community development and health center is working so well they're they're doing new businesses and everything else and they're taking care of their their people and The the whole thing I I do write about in the book is that, okay, we were going to do this on a national level with expanding that one village to 250, but hey, let's just do this on the global level because that's the idea that we started out with. (laughs) We We can do this idea that's a national idea and do it on the global level. So believe me, I have... I have to say fantasies right now of being able to go to Ukraine and build a whole bunch of community development and health clinics and, and anywhere in South America and more places in Africa and South America, South Asia, you know, it, it's this whole thing, as you say, is it's got to be looked at from a global perspective. And that's where we started when we were first in Myanmar, worst and I'm even more riveted on that now that I've written a book and I've and I've had to talk about it. <laughs> so you know, these podcasts have been great for me. So yeah, i uh, you're, sure. you're the best. Yeah, really appreciate it.
0: Well, and, you know, and the use of the technology and the science and helping to further that whole benefit, I think is uh, is an important thing you brought up earlier about the the technology and and so forth. But you combine that with the science that provides factual aspects of of what what we are here for and what we need to do, you put those in conjunction with the communication, and I think that it would um, it would uh, give. Uh, I know I say the word opportunity a lot, but you know, opportunity is a magic door. You either yeah, open it, or you right. you. If you don't open it, then you lose that opportunity. You open it, or you open yeah. the window, and you have opportunity right. to step the in. Right. The,
1: there, there's also a limit in time because when we went to Myanmar Ansan San Suu Kyi said to us and a whole bunch of other people when she came to San Francisco to speak right after we got there and I think it was 2012 she said we need change but we need to have visible change and we need to have it soon and with that mind you know we ended up saying okay that's great Here's some change, and we gave them a van, and we gave them a whole bunch of computer equipment, just so that when we went back after she said that, we could say, we, "Here, we're starting," even if it's something small. You know, the clinic hadn't been built yet. You know, so, uh, so, yeah. I mean, we've we've got we got to realize that time is of the essence in, in this. We've got to keep this serious talk going because this is pre planning. This is not planning and so we got to collect all the information and that's what you're doing and then we have to start planning
0: how do you think we develop a culture of cooperation and solidarity between these human all these human groups um to embrace what you're trying to do
1: well I, a simple answer would be language um you know if, if those people on Babel you know, they were thrown out of Babel when they were already on the top floor. You know, you you, got to wait. (laughs) You got to start from the beginning. So we've we've got to decide how we're going to talk and what tools we're going to use in the language to talk, to speak. Because, uh, for example, uh, Muslim women uh, are not allowed to be educated. But my father, who was a... uh, let's see data management maternal and data management uh expert teacher at university of hawaii and he ended up asked being asked by the governor to help uh work in the federated states of micronesia Uh, he went there and he said that you know the muslim women and the catholic women they still talk they they still educate because they they use what's called the coconut wireless (laughs) and so Education occurs, the communication occurs. So we just have to make sure that we tap into all those forms of communication with the language. And if we need translators, that's fine, but we need to be talking about the same thing. And I, now I don't know if that answers your question, but it's it's gotta be the no, simplest thing that we gotta do.
0: I think we all need you know we all need to have a starting point I mean especially if we're just coming into this conversation you need to have a starting point before you can you know even decide how you you are going to be able to contribute to yes. to the forward movement of of, of trying to uh, basically help get us into the second evolution you know in moving forward and moving humanity forward as a whole um, <clears throat> how do you think um Self-limitation and market regulation would have a factor playing factor in this?
1: I'm sorry, the first one?
0: Self-limitation Oh. and market okay. regulation?
1: Well, I think that, um, I, I mean, just off the top of my head, I totally believe in market regulation. I believe in our laws. I, I believe in rule of law. Um, and I think that this this discussion that seems to be out there i haven't got my arms around it but when biden says it's between democracy and, and autocracy and i'm thinking well wait a minute in a good democracy you have bureaucracy and bureaucracy is our delegated autocracy we follow the laws you know that's somebody telling me what to do and i'm following the laws <laughs> you know so i think we've got to we. we this is part of the answer to your last question. I think after language, we've got to start looking at the commonalities between what people think are rigid, like democracy, or, you know, oh, so uh, what, what, what was it? Someone said, Oh, Hardy, you're just a, uh, a, uh, not a communist, but a socialist. Uh, so a uh, socialist. Yeah. And I says, Well, what part of me is socialist and what part of me is communist and what part of me is a a democrat and a republican i mean cut this stuff out we got to start talking about the specific issue and to talk about specific Mm -hmm. issues we've got to back up where we're not talking about abortion but we're talking about population continuity that's the first discussion you want to talk about abortion fine I'll, i'll talk about abortion but not now we got to talk about population continuity. That's where we better start. We better talk about all those people who get on boats in Northern, Northern Africa and are trying to get away from Africa. I mean, this is not people mm. saying, oh, I'm gonna to go to India, excuse me, I'm gonna to go to Italy or Sardinia or whatever. I want to get away from Africa because there's no, your word, opportunity. And so You know, we've got to look at what we're doing in in the process of making babies. You go to Mali, and the average number of children per woman is eleven children. And I'm going, okay, I can understand social security at its base level, but what are we going to do to help get to the point where they don't have to do that, and they can trust a government? of the people, by the people, for the people to support a social security system.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And don't count on 11 kids. Holy smokes, I had trouble raising two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so did I. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> holy smoke. I'm,
0: and, and you know something that never ends? <laughs> My kids are yeah. still 30, 31 and 33, and it's still, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Money, 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 money. And I have four grandkids, and they're a handful. Of, we have part in, of the whole grandkid raising <laughs> exactly. process. I mean, we haven't. So, you know, we got two sons. Now I got four grandkids. Oh, my God.
0: It's, <laughs> it like holy smokes. it's all good. So that's wonderful. Uh, it's wonderful. This has all been like, you know, really fantastic. And I know that you have. Your Care for Peace organization is a nonprofit organization uh, that helps countries all over the world. Uh, your book in itself is available, uh, I think it is it, uh, Amazon as well as uh, a link off of your site, I believe. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, Care for Peace in your book and where to get them or how to get in touch with you? Well, the,
1: the book is really 50 years of uh, me putting together my thoughts. Uh, I took notes on paper, it ended up going, some of them went on a typewriter, and then finally it went on a computer over the years. Uh, But it started with the Care for Peace templates. Now, I haven't talked about that at all, but in the book, you can see the four Care for Peace templates. And they're my tools for discussing the from to, when it comes to from the first human evolution to the second human evolution what are we how are we going to talk about it well hmm, if we're talking about uh sorting garbage i think we're moving pretty well from where we were throwing stuff out our windows into our neighbor's yard i think we're, we're doing better at taking care of our waste I, I look at our waste management here in my hometown Novato, california and it's wonderful we've got a wonderful I'm talking about water waste, sewage waste, you name it, and they're even testing the sewage waste to see if there's any coronavirus inside of that so that they can determine if there's going to be a problem and we need to do more proactive things. So uh, these are things that I I haven't even been talking about because I'm already working on my second book. And it is about the templates that I have put in the first book. But the first book, I just pretty much talk about them. I don't break it out because the first template is my personal template. The second template is our relational template, how we're interacting. And you know, look at these wars around. You, you've got to start looking at wars in the in a way. Well, that's what we used to do. That's that's a first human evolution way. Now, what's the second human evolution? Well, we avoid all that stuff at all costs, but what do we do now? Okay, where are we at now when it comes to warmongering between the first human evolution and the second human evolution? And so that's the relational. We have to start talking about it. We have to talk about it in terms of our cultural. Cultural is the the, the balance between physical and spiritual in terms of well, our physical needs and our spiritual needs. And that's where communism fell apart in its implementation. It, it, they didn't get the balance right. And so we've got to make sure we've learned from the past so we don't repeat it. That's where that's where we go. And then the last template is our organizational template that really looks at the from to when it comes to where are our organizations between diversity versus singularity, you could call it, you know, curb the market, you know, the first human evolution was, you know, take no prisoners. The second human evolution goes back to your question about market stabilization, market control regulation. So that's the the fourth template. I, I talk about them in the first book, that is to care for peace because I want people to get the right words. And now my second book is to really get into those templates and help people understand their responsibility to put themselves where they think they are in relation Mm -hmm. to the first human evolution and the second human evolution as they define it. And where are they in between? You gotta have people get away from looking at things from their opinion. We've got to have people look at things in relation to an issue that is out there in the middle that, that we can talk about. Well, my, slide, my slider is really closer to the first human evolution on that one, but you're saying that your slider is way over here on the front two scale? Uh, no, we, I mean, that's the conversations that we have to have. So-
0: And that's where the book is now. It, it comes on your website. What's your website, please?
1: Uh, Care for peace, all one word: c a r e f o r p e a c e. dot org o r g. If you miss and go dot com, you'll get my old web site. So that's cool too, I guess.
0: <laughs> so kind of kind of works out either way. But I'll make sure there's a link in yep. the show notes so that everybody has an easy way to get a hold of they that. Do. And they can find that uh, link to the book on there as well. Correct. Absolutely. 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 Um, look at this. Has been a really great conversation, and we could continue to talk for a whole nother hour, Jeff. Um, we'll have to have you back on. So when you get your other book done and you've got your templates out, uh, maybe we can come back and talk about the templates and how to implement them.
1: Michael, I would be absolutely honored.
0: That would be great. I'll make sure that we do that. Um, This is one more thing before you go. Before we go, do you have any words of wisdom you can share?
1: The first sentence in the book, I will repeat it. To care for peace that's to care for peace might not be the secret of life, but it's as close to the secret of living there is.
0: That's brilliant. Brilliant words of wisdom. What about what the that's a great way to I might have to I might have to end every conversation with that quote.
1: <laughs> you may steal it. I uh, there's no copyright on me because I believe that the best change agents in the world are invisible. That's me. I'm invisible. That's kind of That's unique. That's
0: unique as well. That's pretty cool. Well, again, Jeff, thank you very much. for. I'm glad that we connected. I really appreciate what you're trying to do for this world and for those of us in it and that live here. Um, so continue, please, to do that. I will do my part in helping you contribute to the next evolution that we're uh, moving forward to. And uh, again... Uh, we'll have you back on the show when you get your next book done, so everybody kind of look for that.
1: I've really enjoyed our conversation, Michael. Really enjoyed it. Thank Thank you so much. And for
0: everyone else out there, please, one more thing before you all go, have a great day, have a great week, and thanks for listening. Listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.